When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. I'm Dan Thomas, joined by Craig Burley and Shaka Hislop. We'll start with the big news around Manchester City that broke today. Uh, they have been charged with breaching 113 regulations since the 2009-2010 season after a four-year investigation. One of the main charges were not providing accurate financial information that gives a true and fair view of the club's financial position. Also, not providing full details of Roberto Mancini's pay as Manchester City manager. Not providing full details of players' payments from 2010-2011 to 2015-2016. And not cooperating with an investigation from 2018 to 2023. An independent disciplinary committee will now be held and can impose open-ended sanctions. Uh, For more on this, unfortunately Stevie wasn't available. uh, So we welcome in Frank. LeBeouf, Nadine Manua and Gab Marcotti is with us. Right, Gab, there's a lot to discuss here, but let's go to the main point. The thing that only really everybody cares about, this punishment. Could we see a point deduction? Could we see them getting kicked out of the Premier League? Well, by kicked out, I think most realistic it would be would be relegation if they went down that road. But uh, we're not there yet. That's an extreme case. What we do know is uh, the head of the Premier League uh, judiciary is going to uh, appoint uh, uh, an independent commission of, of three members. These guys or, or these guys are going to go and examine all the paperwork. They're going to try to establish what rules were broken, and they're going to try to establish an appropriate punishment. And that can include fines, points deductions, including points deductions in past years, potentially. Um, And of course, the extreme one, which would be expulsion from the Premier League, which doesn't mean City just disappears. They would likely be relegated somehow. That is kind of the worst possible scenario uh, for Manchester City. Remember, too, Manchester City do have the right uh, of an appeal. Um, It would be an appeal to another Premier League uh, independent commission. Uh, and they hope to get everything wrapped up, including the appeal, uh, obviously, before the start of next season. Uh, say they're found guilty of all of these breaches, Gab. What is the most likely punishment from what you said? So, it's difficult to tell. I mean, I would assume if they were found guilty of... It's 115 breaches here, Dan. That is a mm. lot of breaches. But if they're found, if they're found guilty of, of all of them... Um, I think certainly uh, there's the, the, the several scenarios. The, I, I think the, a point deduction would be pretty likely, but perhaps a point deduction affecting them this season. Um, if they were to deduct points for, for past seasons, effectively stripping them of titles, I think that would be tricky for the Premier League because that might open them up to potentially legal action for lost earnings from other clubs. I don't think that's a road that they want to go down. Uh, the other thing, too, if they're found guilty of some breaches that didn't fall under the purview of the UEFA case that was brought against them, you remember when they were banned for two years and that ban was later overturned by Cass. Uh, if they're found guilty of other breaches, then UEFA could also reopen um, a financial fair play case uh, against them, uh, depending on the nature um, of, of, of these violations. Again, all of this, if proven, hypothetical. Uh, Let's take a look at what they have won during this time where accused of breaching these rules. You mentioned it, Gab. Obviously, it'd be difficult for the Premier League retrospectively go back, but surely they kind of have to, don't they? If City achieve these titles whilst not complying to the rules, then they don't deserve them. I think that's what some people undoubtedly uh, are going to argue. But, you know, you need to... You need to establish kind of the extent of this. Um, you know, this whole thing is basically a rerun of of the UEFA case uh, against them, the financial fair play case, where they were banned for two years and, and Cass overturned it. 
If you remember, Cass overturned it because they said some allegations were not proven. Other allegations were what they call time barred. Effectively, the statute of limitations ran out on this. Now, the interesting thing here is there is no statute of limitation, no time barring, uh, as it were, with regards to the Premier League. So they can go back and investigate stuff from, from six, seven, eight years ago, no problem. Um, and what we don't know, the Premier League have been investigating for four years. Uh, what we don't know is do they have access to other information, which maybe UEFA didn't have. So even some of the ones which UEFA, um, according to CAS, were not able to satisfactorily prove, uh, those could come into play too. There could also be you know, a lower threshold, a lower burden of evidence uh, in this case. I mean, there are just so many unknowns here, but the bottom line is if they cooked the books, if they were found guilty of doing what UEFA said they were doing uh, and what was suggested in the football leaks were effectively the, the owner says, oh, uh, Man City need more money to balance the books. I can't just give them money. So I know I'll call up my friends at Etihad and Etihad and say, hey guys, let me wire you 30 million and then you just include it in, in the sponsorship package for City. So it appears as if we've got more commercial revenue, which is what the accusation is. Um, then that's certainly really, really serious. Now, this Pep Guardiola quote has resurfaced when he was asked in 2002 uh, what he would do uh, if Manchester City, Iraqi, had lied to him. He said, well, when they're accused of something, I ask them, tell me about that. They explain and I believe them. I said to them, if you lie to me the day after, I'm not here. I'll be out and I will not be your friend anymore. So again, Gav, if they're found guilty of these, these breaches, be it a hundred of them or one of them, says he's going to go, or said he was going to go. I, I think that's a little bit puerile, Dad. Uh, there's so many different ways that, that, that we can spill it. You know, maybe they didn't lie to him. Maybe they said, oh, no, Pep, look, we just got a whole load of money. You know, unless Pep <laughs> asked them specifically, hey, did you give money to these guys so that then they could give it back to you and you could pretend like you were getting extra commercial revenue, thereby cheating financial fair play? Uh, you know, unless he asked some very specific questions. I, I think if Pep just says, hey, did you guys do anything illegal? And, you know, they can say no. And you know what? So far, the courts have generally agreed with them. Uh, and City could say that they still didn't believe that they did anything untoward. You know, it's, it's a lot more complex than that. I wouldn't hinge it all on some throwaway comment from, uh, uh, from Pep. Gab, is City a unique case? Or could we see other clubs kind of being punished for the same sort of problems? I don't think it's a it's a unique case in terms of you know clubs cooking the books. I mean, there's a case involving Juventus uh, right now, and you know they're different allegations, but you know similar concept, um, false accounting to fulfill uh, financial fair play type requirements. Certainly, the situation with City and Paris Saint Germain, I think those are the two very obvious ones, um, are slightly different because here you have extremely wealthy owners who want to spend money on the team, who want to invest money, who are happy to take a, a, a loss for an extended period of time, a bigger loss than is allowed under the, the regulations. And so they have to look at how can we get around those regulations, right? Again, this is the accusation against them. Um, I personally don't see any other clubs necessarily in that boat. Um, people say, well, Newcastle, okay, well, Let's wait until Newcastle actually publishes their accounts and we see where they are with financial fair play, right? Otherwise, it's all just speculation. Certainly, Newcastle could potentially do that, but, you know, so could any other club with a wealthy owner hell-bent on growing quickly uh, and winning. But the, the thing to remember here, I think, always is when financial fair play was introduced in, in, in 2011, Manchester City said, great, we want to run our club like a business and we're going to grow organically. And we fully embrace the financial fair play rules. Uh, and that's been and we're not going to break them. And that's kind of been their mantra all along, even when they breached in 2014. And uh, and of course, they, they, they were punished um, by UEFA. They said, no, 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 you got it wrong. We're innocent, but we're going to settle to to avoid, you know, turning into a, uh, this into a big court case. And I think that's the part that a lot of people struggle with. All those people who say, well, financial fair play is unfair. Yeah, that's fine. You may think it's unfair. Manchester City have never said financial fair play is unfair. Uh, they felt there was a witch hunt. They felt that they were being targeted. They, they disagreed with the way um, that they were being judged. Um, but the concept is something that they signed on to. And at least in public, 
they always agreed with. Uh, last point on this, Nadim, obviously you're based in Manchester. What's been the vibe over the last uh, few hours? Uh, well, the United fans are having a great time, you know, and the City fans are all very, very nervous. You know, I was at a supporters club just this evening and there's a lot of anxiety within the room, people unsure of what this means. And I think Gav's made, described that so, so well. And there's so much stuff which we're not sure about. But a thing which seems to be quite clear are some of the punishments that could come if they are found guilty. So that's in the back of everybody's mind. But this is such a, it's such an interesting situation because it does make for a great headline. But the amount of litigation, litigation between now and the outcome is just so, so much that it's not going to be something which we necessarily need to track on a day-to-day -day basis. But something will be there. And wildly, this is during my time at City as well. And I thought oh. it was perfectly reasonable to get like money in a brown envelope and live in this house <laughs> with 20 bedrooms. Don't joke about it, Nadim. You know Don't what I mean? Do it. That's I'm it, the tabloids. Tabloids have already got it. This isn't a serious showdown. We're all good. But yeah, it's, it's just the, the uncertainty is the thing that is really bringing a lot of anxiety for lots of people that I know who, have a, who are of a Man City persuasion. But they seem to sound quite confident, but maybe they would be because they have all the information. Are you disappointed you didn't finish that accounting course now, Nadine? <clears throat> <laughs> there's accounting and there's creative accounting, isn't there, Dan? <laughs> Two different things. Well, Man City put out quite a strong... Yes, yeah, they welcomed the investigation. It was, I knew it was a short statement because I read it. Yeah. <laughs> any, any, any longer it was getting binned. Yeah. Uh, I'm not one for... I'm not for look, I'm not going to get in... I cannot get in anywhere near as deep as Gab has gone. And to be honest with you, I have no real... Interest from my sort of perspective. Okay, well, you don't have to say anything. We can no, move no. on. No, no, but what I'm saying is, I have no. Uh, I, I don't buy into the, which I think is the, the first thing people say when we have a scenario like this is the first thing, general, generally what you hear is strip titles, take it away. I'm not in that camp. I right. just, just not in that camp. Two, I think there are many pitfalls for trying to do that, and the other side of it is. People that finish second ultimately finish second. Now you can say, well, they did this and they did that and they did the next thing. It was one thing we heard a lot when Rangers were having their problems in Scotland. Yeah. Uh, this is not a similar scenario, but still, it was a financial scenario which Rangers were punished for in the end after the club folded and they went down all the way to the bottom of Scottish football. Uh, I'm not suggesting that's going to happen, but the first thing that fans were shouting about was to strip the all these titles that they had before. Of course, that never happened. Uh, maybe you could see a relegation, right. but how much is that going to affect them? They'll come straight back up, and let's be honest, City, City fans have been down there quite a lot, not recently, but many years ago. So I, I don't know. I just don't know how this is all going to end. All I know is when we woke up this morning and we saw this, on Twitter just went, oh, no. No, that's okay. Why are we talking about this? No, no look, look, Gab has summed it up perfectly. You jumped in, no need, but that's fine. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Let's talk about football, shall we, and what happened yesterday. Uh, Manchester City, of course, losing 1-0 uh, against Tottenham Hotspur. Harry Kane's goal proving to be the difference between the two sides, meaning that Arsenal remained five points clear at the top of the table. Craig, you weren't on yesterday, so I want to start with you. Where do you want to start with this? The financial thing. I oh, prepped don't it all day. So, so, <laughs> I prepped oh. it all day. I'm <laughs> not at all. Uh, a surprise and not a surprise, is that a silly thing to say? Just always waiting for City to... Right, OK. A couple of weeks ago, Tottenham gave them a bloody nose and then City ran all over the top of them. So you think, right, they've learned the lesson, they're going to go to London and it's going to be different. But it wasn't. And I sat there... Looking at it from a player's perspective, I sat in the first two minutes screaming at the TV, and this was going to be a theme of the game. There wasn't two minutes on the clock, Erling Haaland made a great run. Right down the centre of the field, splitting the centre-halves, and I think it was Bernardo Silva, got other, he got the wrong side of the Spurs midfield, and for some reason, he turned back, right. or he went wide. And it was screaming on for this ball to go through the middle, and I thought, oh my God. And then for 90 minutes, you're looking at the runs and City's play and how slow it was and how they're trying to go through the middle most of the time. Yeah, they put some crosses in. They put more crosses in in the second half, but they weren't very good. And by that point, Tottenham were really sitting deeper and had lots of bodies back. You know, Rico Lewis playing left back. Not that he's a bad player. He's a terrific young player, but stepping into the middle of the park, that's getting a little bit boring for me. And also... What the hell's happened to the best centre-half in the country a year ago, Ruben yeah. Diaz? Yeah. So there are so many things, Kevin De Bruyne on the bench, of course. There are so many things with this City side that are just not functioning at the moment, but for me, one of the basics was, and, and you don't need any data analyst to tell you this, in the first half, get it wide, put some crosses in the box. You've got a big guy up there, he's making runs, he's getting in there. It, it's, it was pedestrian yeah. best by Manchester City. Nadam, from a City perspective, what was the most disappointing thing that you saw yesterday? Um, probably that sense of deja vu, to be honest. I think that's five times they've been to that stadium and not even scored a goal. Five defeats as well. You know, it's, it's sadly, it's just in the back of your mind. Like, it felt like such a great opportunity, but this sense of inevitability when they play Spurs away. But in watching the game, I think what got to me was the fact that at times they felt very one-dimensional. I think for the way that Spurs will try and press on occasion, it's good that they're doing so, but you can break that press, you can play a ball into the strike, you can play a ball into the space in behind, because you've got one of the quickest strikers in the Premier League playing up there, and physically can move people about as well. So I would have liked to have seen them be a bit more direct at times, but they do insist on playing the way that they do. And they're playing behind so little that I think to myself, well, it must be by design. Because otherwise, surely that would be the thing to do. When someone has the strength that he does and the pace that he does, try and find a way to use it. But in the end, it wasn't to be. I, don't, I personally don't think it was the worst game they've played all season or anything. But it felt more disappointing because the opportunity was there for them to catch up just that little bit to Arsenal. But in the end, as I say, Haaland's not, not had a shot in the game. He's not had a touch in the opposition's penalty box. And when that is the case for someone so prolific, it just goes to show that that level of creativity wasn't there. And maybe they played into the hands of the opposition a little bit. And Nathan, what's up with Pep and De Bruyne? Uh, nothing, I don't think. Um, I think there have been times, like, having to watch City on a week-to-week -week basis, there are times where De Bruyne's maybe not played at his best, and Pep tries to mix things up a little bit, but De Bruyne is still one of his captains. He's probably going to play 90% of the games between now and the end of the season. And they just have so many options. And I think today, oh, for the game the other day, the issue was for him to try and play Alvarez it means that somebody's going to be missing out like that. It was either going to be Bernardo Silva and Gundogan, usually one of the two, but then it was, it was Gundogan and, and Kevin De Bruyne as well. And I think the balance didn't quite work out because in fairness to Spurs, from what I saw, there were times when Eric Dyer was really going out and pressing high in midfield instead of just following a striker. So in that moment, maybe you take that away from him by having a De Bruyne in there. So now he has to make a decision whether he goes to this one or to that one. But in the end, they didn't get the tactics right. But, you know, Kevin De Bruyne... Is very much trusted by Pep Guardiola. He's not in the doghouse or anything like that. And also with Ruben Diaz. For City, it's upsetting a few people because they want to see him playing, and I get that. But like Akanji and Nathan Ake have been two of City's best players all season. So as a consequence, you can see Pep is rewarding them by keeping them in the side. But it does feel strange to see players of that calibre on the bench. Have you ever seen a guy who's scored as many goals as he has 
Haaland look as frustrated as he does in big games, some of the big games. Yeah. Think about this one. His, his record's quite interesting, like, compared to when he plays against the big six to the others. Like, he's racking up goals against the other teams, yep. but struggling in these kind of games. Which is one of the... Po- <laughs> I don't want to make it about Ellen Haaland is having a bad time sort of scenario because he's a, he's a consequence of how they're playing at times. But we talked about this. He's not, you know, it's all very... It's all very well him getting the, the, the goals v Wolves and all these things, but yeah, they have to utilise him in these bigger games better. Think about the Man United game at Old Trafford, which was a huge game, and how frustrated he was. And then think about the Tottenham game, which was a huge game because Arsenal, their main title rivals, had lost the day before. And yet, I don't, I th- I don't think I've seen a player who's scored so many times in his first year at a big club at elite level football look as frustrated as he has in some of those bigger games and that being the weekend they're just not they just haven't found a way in in these kind of matches to use his strengths and you saw him again in that Tottenham game in the first half coming deep to get some touches and stuff Uh, it's frustrating for him. The amazing thing for me is it's not rocket science to get the best out of out of Haaland. He's he's big, he's physical, he'll run over defenders, he's quick, get the ball wide as you were saying, Craig, and, and cross it, play the ball early, let him and you've seen him just run over the top of centre backs in, in, in during the course of this season. But against Spurs, and, and this is symptomatic, and which is why that, that graphic doesn't tell doesn't tell a story, certainly doesn't tell Haaland's story. If you, don't, if you don't play to those most basic strengths, if, you, if the ball somehow keeps getting to your midfield and you aren't moving it on quickly enough, then there is nothing Haaland can do about that. Other than, as we saw a few weeks, drop, drop deep to get on the ball and then Pep Guardiola criticised him for it and told him to stay higher up the park. But he's staying higher up the park and you're not playing to those strengths. So it's... it's uh, it, it's really frustrating and, and bemusing that this city side with this quality can't or isn't doing just some of some of the basics in playing to Haaland's strengths. Uh, this is quite something. I'm told history is in the making in today's show. Record has been broken. Never has Frank LeBeouf been silent for 20 minutes uh, in his adult <laughs> life. This is uh, quite extraordinary. Uh, thank you very much, well, Frank. We're going to pay for that now. <laughs> <laughs> Frank LeBeouf, what would you like to add? Uh, too much information, you know, in 20 minutes for me, and I got confused about all those informations. But really, um, uh, I just want to uh, rebound on the, on the Island uh, um, conversation that you're having right now, where, you know, targeting and criticizing Haaland uh, right now is like, you know, criticizing a, a Formula One driver who has a car with no engines, with the uh, tires completely flat, you know, and, uh, and nobody to, to sort out the problems. And uh, that's what I feel, you know, is, is the result of something as maybe I think as Craig mentioned. If you, don't, if you don't serve him, you know, he will never score a goal like any strikers. Uh, he's not the type of guy who's going to create something on his own and, uh, and score a goal on his own, you know, getting the ball like for, uh, for his own third, uh, 30, um, 30 yards and, and go forward and score a goal. So that's the thing that I see. But I something that I want to point. When we talk about Manchester City, we talk about Liverpool, we talk about Chelsea, with the amount of fantastic players that you can find in those squads, you have so many players com- comparing of, uh, with last season who are not at their levels. And I don't have the answer why. Is it because of the World Cup? Or is it because, I don't know, something is going wrong in the football world? But you have so many players that you can name. You were ma- naming Jazz uh, and, and, uh, and maybe De Bruyne, maybe Gundogan. But at Liverpool, you can name so many others. And at Chelsea, the same. Why those players are not performing like a year ago? That's very strange to me, and I see, and I, I don't have the, the answer, but maybe because of that World Cup, being in the middle of uh, the, the Premier League, uh, you have that sorts of uh, performances from those players, and uh, it's why maybe, I don't know, maybe Arsenal is getting better because of the freshness, the, the players are young and they can maybe respond be- in a better way, but uh, those three teams, they're only the shadow of themselves. And Rod, <clears throat> I mean... Notwithstanding his mistake, I thought Rodri 
I'd probably the poorest game. Yeah, I've, stinker, I, didn't he? I've seen him have for, a, for for quite some time. I think exactly. he's a terrific. I think he's a terrific player. Uh, it wasn't just the mistake uh, that he made from the good. Pre- I think he's good pressure from Tottenham. Uh, he reads it well, he Hoiberg, but it's just it's, it's not a good ball. And I think that some set it up, but it kind of summed, summed him up. But one of the things I want to uh, briefly say, and City are nowhere near as bad as Liverpool in terms of players being off the boil, but they certainly have key players that are off the boil compared to before. One of the, and obviously, you know, City is not something they can do because of the financial chat we've just had, but one of the things you generally hear, and we discussed it briefly with Liverpool, is oh, investment, 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 you know, we need more money thrown at it. And I'm like, no, not always. It's just not always the answer to have this big fat check from your Premier League TV and commercial side of things that's blowing every other country out the water, it seems, at the moment. And we've seen that in the January transfer window. No, this is Liverpool's problem to fix with Klopp and it's City's smaller problem to fix with Guardiola. It's now, not about throwing money at it. It's about him finding a way. And I'm not suggesting he's saying that, but yeah. I'm just saying there are plenty out there that say, oh, we just need to go and throw more money at it, which obviously for City is going to be a huge problem. But it's now about him managing through those muddy waters of Kevin De Bruyne not playing well, mm. of Erling Haaland looking frustrated, of Riyad Maris or Rodri having an off day. It's not always about chucking boatloads of cash at it. It's about coaching your way through it. And we're going to see... This season, because we know he's a great coach, but we're going to see if he can coach his way through it. Nadim, are you surprised considering the general consensus, obviously, you need to feed Haaland if he's going to score, that Pep hasn't addressed this sooner? Um, I don't know. I think Kyle Walker, after the game, he, made a, he had an interview and he made some good points about how, say, if Haaland's not scoring, then all the talk is about the crisis in service. But when he's scoring, it's like, oh, this guy's a machine and he does this and he does that. So I think at times they are playing into his strengths, but then on certain days like yesterday, they just never really seem to give him the opportunity. And, you know, one thing I've got to say, there were some comparisons yesterday between Haaland and Kane, and they are both the two, you know, they're the two top scorers in the Premier League as such. But Harry Kane made his debut for Spurs 10, 11 years ago. You know, this is a guy who's very much set in terms of how they play. They play to his strengths. He has the bodies around him who've been there for a long time. And at times, I think for Haaland, he looks like somebody who's 22 years of age that has been at City for eight months. And for City, they're adjusting to him as well. And every so often, it works well. Early in the season, seeing Kevin De Bruyne playing him in for giving him so many assists, so many great balls into the box, through balls and all this stuff. But I think when the people behind him aren't in the, say, in the best of form and they're offering a different sort of look because he's him up there, it's just not quite there. It's not quite right yet. And I think the relationship, both in terms of his age and him to the football club, at times, it does feel young. I think Guardiola will obviously try and make the most of that and turn it into something. But as I say, at times, you can tell that they are new together because otherwise we'd be seeing what we've seen in years gone by where they wouldn't even play with a nine but look like they could score in every single game. Uh, that's 25 minutes on Manchester City. I think we will move on now to talk about a man you just mentioned, Nadam. Harry Kane, of course, racking up his 200th Premier League goal. Uh, Sir Persing Jimmy Greaves then as the top goalscorer in the history of Spurs. It really is quite something when you take a look at those numbers, especially that it's, he's done it at Tottenham. Yeah, who uh, have been, you know, a decent side and at times have flattered to deceive and, you know, scrambled their way to a Champions League final. He actually wasn't sort of part of that in the end. Uh, when he was injured. But yeah, yeah it's amazing. And the, the, the other amazing thing is, is for me is the goals are the goals and that you can never take that away. But during this period when he's been scoring goals, he's arguably been their best playmaker. He's been the number nine and a number ten. And Hong Min Son and God knows how many others have run off him. So it's not been about hanging around the penalty box and picking up the scraps. All right. He's done that now and again, Shaq. But all the rest of his play, I mean, just briefly, uh, Nadam touched on, on Haaland being young, which he is, and he's still learning. But they're two different kind of players. I don't think I've seen many strikers. And we saw in the World Cup when he was playing for England, I, I don't remember too many with his prolific goal-scoring talents and the ability to drop deep and pass the ball like a Steven Gerrard or a Frank Lampard or a Paul Scholes. Honestly, it, it is something to behold, his skill set in doing that. Nadam, why is he so difficult to defend? 
Um, I think as he's gotten older, he's sort of recognised his sort of physical limitation in terms of somebody that can't necessarily play on the shoulder, but he's still very, very good at using his body. And he has a real desire. Like, he's his quickest when he's running into the box to try and find an opportunity. I think his finishing is, you know, for me, as good as anywhere in the world. The right foot finishes, the left foot finishes. His desire to sort of, well, his understanding of sensing where to go to receive the balls, understanding of his relationship with Son, with Kulisevsky right now. And he's just, he's a fantastic player. His football intelligence is its spectacular. And you can see every single year it gets better and better and better. And I think, you know, Craig's talking about the through balls and stuff that he plays. Interestingly, he's so, so good at that. But I think that came around the time when uh, uh, Jose Mourinho was in charge at Spurs because before that, in my mind, I just saw him as just being a pure goal scorer. But as that time has now changed, you can see he's a complete footballer now. He has the goals. He has the assists. He understands how to win free kicks and so on. And I think ultimately this is why he's going to go down as probably Spurs' the most iconic player. Frank LeBeouf. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, he's a fantastic player. No doubt about that. And he can be a fantastic nine, like he can be a fantastic ten. But at the end of his career, a young guy will oh. say, oh, you are a football player. Yes, I was a football player. How many, how many goals did you score? Oh, like 300 goals I scored in my career. Okay, oh, wow. How many titles did you get? None. Nothing. Nothing. And that's the thing which really, really bothers me the most is because how come a player like him cannot be in a club, and I'm sorry for Spurs, where you can get titles? Because at the end of, this, of, 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 the, of the day, what stays is why you score all those goals for nothing? Because you got nothing. And I'm sorry. He has to get titles. He has to get something out of it because otherwise, I'm sorry, it means nothing except, for his own sake, somebody who scored 300 goals or more. That's it. But, but in all fairness, Frank, he did, you know, and we can, we can debate the merits of how he approached uh, trying to get away, which he did. We, you know, 18 months ago or whatever it is, and Daniel Levy stood firm with wanting a big fee. Nobody was prepared to go there now. We, we can sort of debate how his agent approached it and how he approached it. Was that strong enough? But I think he did want... I mean, he wanted to get away, Frank, a wee while ago. He just, for whatever reason, it, 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 it never materialised. Craig, uh, if you really want to, if you're really going to go, sorry, Dan, if you really want to go, you're going to go. If, uh, if, uh, if uh, uh, um, Harry Kane would have said, I'm sorry, Mr. Lewis, I'm not going to stay. If you want me to stay, I'm going to give up my career because I don't want to, I don't want to stay. He would have gone. He would have gone because Tottenham would have get the money and they knew that if you, do, if you get only 50% of uh, Harry Kane, it's useless. Um, it happened to so many players. It also happened to myself when I was at Strasbourg. They don't want me to live in another level. And I say, no, I'm leaving. I'm going to Chelsea. He said, no, you're not going to Chelsea. I tell you, I'm going to Chelsea. Otherwise, I'm going to give, you my, I'm going to give up my career. I don't want to play anymore for Strasbourg. I want to play for Chelsea for so many reasons. If you don't push, and we saw that so many times, where the club has no, no possibilities to, to change your mind and to do otherwise. So I'm sorry, if he really wanted to, go to leave Tottenham, he would have, he, he would have left. I've, I've said this before, and, and that will always be the criticism around Harry Kane, particularly if he stays at Spurs and continues to break records and they don't win titles. But again, the, the player at the top of that, of that list, Alan Shearer... Never won to, anything. Turned to, to, to move to Manchester United, where he could have won multiple trophies to, to, to rejoin his boyhood club. And just seeing firsthand what that meant to Alan Shearer to be back in Newcastle, representing Newcastle, even though he was guaranteed titles at Manchester United. Just seeing that, you, 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 have, to, you have to give those players who want to give their boyhood clubs that service, you have to give them that benefit. You have to give them that grace. Maybe it's not something that but clearly I would have done or, or Craig or, or Frank or any of us here or most players in, in, in football. But for some of these players, representing that home team club means more than we can, than, than we can perceive. And you have to give them that grace. I hope that... Spurs, or at the very least, Harry Kane gets some kind of a title at some point to boast because his talent is just deserving of as much. But if he doesn't, 
if it's his decision to stay at Spurs, if it's his decision not to push harder for the move, I, I think he'd be comfortable with it. As long as it's not a World Cup, I'm not bothered. <laughs> Go on, Nadem. Go on, Nadem. Oh, I was going to say, did Shearer not win a league with Blackburn? Or am I making that up? Is that not it, yes, it's, a, it's, a, it's an old joke, Nadem, because uh, oh, a few weeks ago, I may have suggested that he won nothing. Uh, but thank well, you for well. watching. <laughs> uh, Gab, <laughs> uh, what's the likelihood he'll be at Spurs forever? I think as he gets older, he still has the, the, the big contract. You know, I, I think... I think the trend's changing a little bit. You know, once you hit 30, maybe a year or, or, or a couple years ago, people would have said, oh, I need this final piece of the puzzle. But I don't know that, that clubs are willing to go and, you know, get to 90, 100 million uh, pound figures for players who don't have that many years left. So I actually think it's, it's likely he's going to stay there. And personally, I just wanted to applaud Shaka and chastise oh. Frank because he's a hundred percent right. Uh, whether you're Sheer or Matt Letizia or Francesco Totti, oh, Frank's pulled the block on the <laughs> Come on, I shut it down. I shut it down. Yeah, you know, because I, know, I think I know. Thank uh, it was going. Uh -huh. Yeah, it was yeah, going too far. It was going too far. But but yeah. uh, the thing is, I I, I no, we, I, no, I no we can't we can't, we can't continue, okay. Frank. We got to we got to move on. Oh, we, come we've on. got. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we've got we've got to don't you start either. The Gavin Jones podcast. <laughs> oh, for that on top of it, for that. It's come available. On. <laughs> it's available uh, now. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com FC. Just go to Indeed.com FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Uh, moving on to the other big stories around in the Premier League today. That is, of course, Jesse Marsh getting sacked as coach of Leeds. Going gone. Core blimey. Uh, that's because Cobra and the West Ham coach has been linked uh, to West a move. To, uh, West Brom, sorry, has been moved to a, uh, a link to Leeds. Uh, are you surprised that he's gone, Craig? Considering what well, he just brought in Weston McKinney last week. Yeah, and brought in the striker from Germany for quite uh, a young lad for quite a sum as well. You've already got Tyler Adams there, and uh, do you know I never? I don't know is the answer. Oh. I mean, I, I I suppose two wins in seventeen is that what it was? Yes. Something like that. Yeah. The loss at Forest, but then you know it's, it's, it doesn't make sense allowing managers to make these decisions so late on, and then sacking them. I never felt the Leeds players had given up for Jesse Marsh. Never. But the bottom line here is is. They're not. They're leaking goals. They're losing games. They're worried about the Premier League future. They've seen Everton bring in Deitch. They've got a desperate. They're at the desperation half of the season now, and he doesn't look as if he's going to turn it round. And I think, unfortunately for him, yeah, I'm not. In that sense, I'm, I'm not surprised. But when you saw them bringing in two or three players like they did, I thought they would have probably given him a bit longer. But it seems the game, uh, the City ground, the loss to Nottingham Forest was the straw that broke the camel's back. I, I, I think it's difficult to, to not back a manager in January, especially this season, given the, given the gap with, with the World Cup. 
So if, it's, if you don't have faith in, in, in Jesse Marsh and you, you want to get rid of him, season takes a break in November, World Cup comes, and all of a sudden you're halfway through December, you're not, you're not going to pull the plug then, and you want to back the manager, especially when you're in the position that leads are in, 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 the, in the January transfer window. And, and that's what they did. But then you lose to Forest, you look at the bottom, your fourth bottom on goal difference, the three clubs below you have all changed their managers at some point this season. I, I don't think it's that, that much of a surprise. Well, they, want, they, want to, they want to go this, uh, oh, we want to, this is a goal from uh, Brennan Johnson, which against the run of play, by the way, but neither here nor there. It was, it was the winning goal and his side played okay. And unfortunately for him, people are going out and signing the likes of Kayla Navas, Nottingham Forest, right. who made some great saves in the game and, and, that, and that could be the difference. But look, the club are like, Almost at one point saying you go they're in the the, R, the Red Bull system or the RB Leipzig and RB Salzburg system. They're bringing through younger players, signing younger guys, high intensity game. Going to give the coach time. That's kind of what the leads. I'm not saying that's what they said, but it's kind of the, the way they pointed it when he when he, he came in as manager. Uh, and then you give them a year or less, and then you sign these kind of younger guys, and you go down this road, and you want to play this way. And then you chuck it all out the window when uh, the proverbial hits the fan because relegations are around the corner. How many times have we seen that happen? Yep. It just happens a lot. And of course, they see what happened at Everton and felt that they had to make a move, Gab. There doesn't seem to be a plan in place, particularly as to who will come in to replace Jesse Marsh. The Spanish media reporting that Raul was approached. Uh, he turned it down. What are you hearing? Or uh, the, the West Brom manager, Carlos Corbalan is, is certainly the, the favorite. He's, uh, he's, 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 his work is respected. Um, I, I do agree, though, with, with, with Craig that this, this feels like you're kind of abandoning um, a project. But maybe there were shades of that uh, already in the, in the January window where, you know, they brought in other than Weston McKinney perhaps players who they thought would be good for any kind of manager just because they're good players and weren't necessarily Marsh specific. I mean, Weston McKenney, to be honest, to be honest, look, at the end of the day, they've got Adams and McKenney in there and the best part of the, the US at the World Cup was the middle of the park. So they're still getting good players in there for a manager to come in and manage. But you, you said the players clearly haven't given up yet. Yeah? They were still playing for no, him. I, I, so given that you've got a midweek game against Manchester United, then you play United again, of course, back-to-back, -back, does this help any? I never felt the players had given up on him, but I never felt he had... The longer I watched him, I felt he was struggling for the answers to A, keep clean sheets, and B, make them win games. I never saw Leeds down in tools for their manager. Not, not at all. It was nothing, not the case at all. I think he just ran out of ideas of how to get a result. And let's be honest, they do not want another whatever 10, 15, 20 years out of this division. It's crippling. Financially, it could be crippling for them. We've seen, we're talking about Nottingham Forest, we're out 20 odd years. So, so yeah, you're caught between a rock and a hard place into demand. I try and stay with the philosophy that I'm trying to build at this club without throwing crazy money at it, but going down this road. But this guy's struggling to get results. It's a difficult conundrum, and he's unfortunately been been the the uh, seen the downside of when you don't get results at the top level. So to the point you're making there, Dana, I think Leeds survival does not hinge on, on those Manchester games. Now, the Ever so you look at the Everton, Everton and Southampton to come after that. Yeah. So if you are going to make a change, if you do want the manager to come in and take effect, you give him that little bit of a buffer, OK? We're not going to get anything under Manchester United. That's what you, you, you're thinking. But we want to give you a week or two in getting ready, getting this squad ready for Everton and Southampton. So it, it, the timing of it in terms of the games to come makes sense to me. Don't, no, bra no brainer given the US job? Well, actually, I think it is a, a, a head-scratcher in, in a way. I, I'm not arguing that he's... But why would a guy who did a good job at Salzburg, but, but uh, at RB Leipzig, it was poor, mm -hmm. right? And uh, since, since he left and, and Marco Rosa came in, they've picked up. And he's came into Leeds and, OK, they'd shipped, I think, 20 goals in the last five games under Bielsa, but he's... he's he kept him up, but then that's it. So he's come off two sackings. 
in the space of a couple yeah. of years. Is that a remit? Is that where the US is? Just taking a manager who's been been biffed a couple of times and saying you're the man for the job. I, I think there are there are others probably this side of the pond that are probably in a better position. If you look at Jim Curtin and Peter right. Vermees yeah. in particular, I think they're in a better position at the moment uh, in terms of their managerial records and where they are. And Jesse Marsh, for me, is in a, in a bit of a conundrum in terms of a rebuild. He might get that job, I don't know. Because this is a federation that just seems to go off on a tangent and do what it wants. But certainly he's not in the best position coming off being sacked basically twice in two years. Nathan, what do you think? In terms of him going for the US job or Leeds yeah. in general? Well, whichever you would like to input. I, th on. I think the Leeds in general one. I think Shaka makes a good point about the Everton game and the Southampton game. But it's Leeds versus Manchester United. You know, these are arguably the most important games in their season for their fan base. Like, there's a real hatred of Manchester United. So I don't think we can necessarily say that these next two games don't matter. Maybe in the back of your mind, they're not expecting the result, but they're still expecting really big performance because they, like, they hate each other. That's such a big game. But then the sad thing for them, you know, with Marsh going, like, you could lose the next four games and you'd be bottom of the Premier League. So that's the sort of pressure that's on for the next manager to come in. And what a situation that is for a team that hasn't won in such a long time. I don't think the last time they won was mid-November. But now you've got this young side who almost built for the manager before, but you have to come in and now make something of it. You know, it's a really tough spot for them to be in. And in some ways, I, I didn't mind Marsh, but I think the Leeds fans themselves, they didn't really connect with him as such. So I think they probably made the right call because going into this United game, if it would have gone the wrong way, I think they would have been potentially riots at the club. So I get it, but it's a tough, tough situation to be in. I think it was a classic case of a guy jumping back in. And, and I, whilst I don't think he's a bad coach and Leeds are a good club, I, I never felt it was a great... I always felt that it was going to be a bad decision for him. Because it was already chaotic. Yeah. At the end, of, in Belks, and even in the good times during yeah, Belks' but... times, it was chaos. The way they played was chaos. It was always chaotic. And, and when he went in there, the squad was threadbare. They lost Phillips. Bamford was injured. They sold Rafinha to, uh, to Barcelona. W what do you expect? I think he was on a hiding to nothing. And 12 months later, that's what he's got. Frank, you don't have much time. Be quick. Don't make it about Harry Kane. Uh, yeah, th th thank you very much. Uh, no, no, <laughs> if it was that chaotic, why they decided to sack a coach at the end of the transfer window... Uh, where they could get somebody before, you know, and get a month, you know, to hire somebody. They got, they got a new player. They got some new players at Leeds from a former coach now. So we don't know what, if the new coach is going uh, to use them. I think it's, it's a big mess. If it's that chaotic, you know, get rid of March before, uh, get a new coach, get a use the transfer window to, to, to build another team and maybe be saved by, uh, from, that, from there. Not just before two big games against Manchester United. It makes no sense for me. Uh, we'll say thank you very much to Gab Marcotti. We'll also remind you that Football Americas will be a must-watch tonight as the boys react to that news that Jesse Marsh will be sat and see whether or not they're in the camp as to whether he should be appointed the new US manager. Also on ESPN Plus, of course, we've got the German Cup over the next couple of days. Four games for you from the round of 16. Now, yesterday turned out to be quite interesting. It was a debate I wasn't expecting. This is what Ten Hag had to say after Casemiro sending off. Casemiro protects our players, but also the player who comes to interfere. He holds him back. He doesn't want to hurt him. Uh, I assume that everyone was going to agree that it was a red card. However, Frank said that it wasn't. Uh, Craig, what is your take on this? Same as it was on Saturday. Unfortunately, it's a red card because you're not allowed to grab people around the throat. And, you know, if they don't send... If he's not sent off, then it's a precedent. Uh, that kind of move to a player, I'm afraid you just can't do it. So, you know, it's just not allowed. Chaka, you felt that the others should have been punished as well yeah, as Casemiro, but if, you if felt you it was right to be sent off. Well, did anybody else hold anybody else around the throat? If anybody else has held anybody else around the throat, then others should have been punished. If it's just a little pushing in the chest and a little pulling of a jersey, and there's no slapping to the face or hands around the throat, I, I, think, I, I, I think Schluck put one hand on Anthony's throat. Given, given the challenge, I thought that was a yellow. Given the, the hand to the throat, I thought that quite easily could have been another yellow or should have been another yellow. He's, he's off. He could have gone. Um, 
I, I, uh, I also had had a, a hold of, of of Fred. He could have gone. Given the context, of, a hold of him round Given the, the context of everything that was going on, he could have quite easily sent off three. As it was, I thought the referee handled everything about it poorly. Uh, let's get Nate. I, I just want to get right. Nadem. So Nadem, red card or not? Uh, yeah, I think it's a red card, but I think there's a lot going on as well. Even like seeing Fred come round onto Schlupp's face. And to be honest, like, it's not the most violent thing I've ever seen. But in the same breath, there are lots of different ways to hold somebody off without going up there. And also, like, do your research. It's Will Hughes. What's he going to do? Just let him walk off, <laughs> let him do whatever he wants. You know what I mean? So for me, yeah, I, I get it, it's a red card. But the fact that the video can just look specifically for just that, but then miss everything else, I think it kind of shows a level of inconsistency, but I do think it's a red card, yeah. Frank, Nadem says you were speaking nonsense yesterday. <laughs> well, he has the right. We're in a democracy, but we can agree to disagree, you know, and, uh, and uh, I'm sorry. Um, again, I've seen so many times, you know, players, you know, hanging other players' head, you know, like that. You know, thousands of times, there were no red card. But now when you do that, like for two seconds, it's a red card. And, what, you know, I see the consequences of, of that. What happened to the guy, the player that he was holding? I said, well, he's going to suffocate and fall. No, no, the guy is fine. <laughs> so it, the pressure wasn't that big. Yeah, it's strange that he hold him like that. But it's like for like two seconds. And we can see that he does like that with his right hand at a certain point where he always say, you know, stay here, stay here. Cool, cool. Get out of it. And the guy goes back to the, to the, to the big mess. So now for me, it's not a red card. It's a yellow card. Or if you give a yellow red card to Casimiro, I'm with Shaka. Give a red card to Schlepp. It will be the same lineup today for extra time as Frank and Nader will be rejoining us. Be sure to stay tuned for that. As always, uh, you can have a look at it on your YouTube channel. Be sure to check out Jan running yesterday, by the way. Uh, that was quite something. He just outran the uh, fish. <laughs> How do you describe what? Uh, a man in a fish outfit. Oh. Uh. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Uh, that is it then. That brings us to the end of uh, today's show. Be sure to stay tuned though. Extra time is next. Nadem and Frank back to answer your tweets. Welcome in then to the latest edition of Extra Time. Thanks for your questions. Craig Burley with us, Shaka Hislop as well, Nadem and Frank. Frank, I'm sorry I had to keep cutting you off in the show. I felt like uh, it was it's quite a lot today. No problem, my dear. I just wanted to say that uh, Kane is a fantastic player, but uh, maybe maybe he should deserve some titles. That's it. Well, uh, well the first question. You could have got one for the top 10 goals. I could have well, got you could have got one for the top 10 goals that we did earlier. Well, yes, we did it twice today, isn't it? The well, top 10, 20 goals today. Yeah, so you've got to see them twice. I reckon that's my quarter. Really? <laughs> really? Okay, right. Um. Calendar year, done. Uh, 20 Frank, goals plus replays, that's 30. Frank mentioned Harry Kane. Of course, he took to Twitter to salute the fact that he uh, surpassed uh, Jimmy Greaves' record, uh, which leads us to Dan. Is Kane still a one-season wonder? Uh, which I may have said when he first started scoring <laughs> goals. And Harry Kane, he's a big fan of the show, tweeted out one-season wonder. <laughs> ah, ah, a winky face. Dad. Harold, I'm sorry. He didn't tweet that out, did he? Yes, he did, yes. Oh, right. Yes. Yep. Why wouldn't why would we do that? That'd be weird.
We that, do that lots of weird things. getting under everybody. We do lots of weird things. <laughs> there you Nothing go. We everybody do. wants your punts down. Right. Okay, Leighton, when a manager takes out the best midfielder in the world for tactical reasons and the team loses, can he lose the locker room? Uh, I don't think he's going to lose the locker room, no. I think it would have been nice to see him playing out there. I think it would have kind of, could have had a big impact. But there are also times when he's not played as well this season as his high standards have, uh, have been in the past. So I get it. Tactically, he went for it. He came on, had an impact in the game. Didn't quite work out. But I don't think this is going to be the game that causes all matter of crisis for Man City because Kevin De Bruyne didn't play. I think Kevin De Bruyne is quite a chilled out guy. So I imagine he'll play in the next game and hopefully have a big impact. Uh, Jesse Marsh, of course, sacked today, one week after bringing in Weston McKenney. From a player's perspective, how would you feel if the manager that brought you to a club is sacked immediately after the window closes? Has anyone gone through Nadem? Have you gone through that? You went through quite a few managers in your time. Yeah, I think it's 15 or 16 managers, but uh, I only got recruited three times to different places. Um, it would be a bit awkward, Dan. I'll be honest, it'd be a bit awkward, especially if you're yeah. selling you like a long-term vision. But. At the end of the day, this is football, isn't it? You can't expect everything to stay the same just because you want it to be. He obviously would have come to the situation knowing that the pressure was on. So I guess you're just going to have to enjoy Leeds, enjoy Yorkshire, and uh, enjoy the battle that is going to be this last uh, 17 games of the season, yeah? Enjoy Yorkshire in February. Beautiful. That's yeah, very oh, nice. Magnificent. Well, magnificent. Pies are nice. The pies. <laughs> pies are nice. Your chin looks a bit thick as you're saying that because you're leaning back. Pies are nice. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not ideal, but you've just got to put a smile on your face and crack on, haven't you, Shaq? Yep, yeah, you do. It's not great, but it's yeah. football. It's and the pies are good. Oh, yes, the pies, the pies are good. Yeah, pie and a pint. Yeah, not cheap. Cheaper up north I bet they're not doing that, are they? Out for a pint of nice pale ale or something. Game of darts. Sure they might be, you never know. Hanging about on a Tuesday night in the local. Beautiful. No? No, I reckon. For Frank. Sitting with chips and... Mushy peas and bar. Oh, I'm feeling hungry. <laughs> you, were, you were spiraling. <laughs> uh, for Frank, after seeing Mason Mount constantly starting for Chelsea and never dropped by Potter despite his continuous subpar performances, have you ever felt as though any of your previous managers found it difficult to drop certain teammates because of their name? Mm. Uh, yes, Aimé Jacquet. I don't even know why he didn't drop, you know, Laurent Blanc and put him and put myself, you know, instead of him, you know, because he was not that good. There it is. Uh, Frank won a World Cup, ding. Oh, come on. <laughs> if, we, if, we, if, we, if, we, if we can't have fun on extra time, you know what? The point to do extra time, you know? Um, well, no, no, really, no. No, no, no. Well, I don't think Mason Mann can be called a big name. He's, yeah. uh, he's a great player. He proved, uh, but he's still a young player. And uh, uh, and I have to say that uh, you, you can have question marks about why Potter wants to keep him and, and uh, playing him. But at the end of the day, the others are not better than him. So. Uh, I don't know, he wants, he wants to stick to, uh, to Mount and I think it's a good idea because, well, he's a player who can at some point wake up and fight for the club. I've got a sneaky feeling this tweet has got some American connotations around it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Why do they love Mount and hate Pulisic? Well, yeah, yeah. Why do all the managers that have not played Pulisic play Mason Mount? Mmm, let me think about that. Actually, he hasn't had his best season, but then, then again, he's well. not... He's not alone at Chelsea for sure, but uh... but take Mount out of the equation. Just say big names like Decania. When you, when you like, he's undroppable because of what he could do. Yeah. And as players, you respect that. Yeah. yeah. You you know that. I I mean to to, to that point, I can't think of Decania being poor for a, a, a period of time either. Right. You know, so I, I I certainly don't have that experience. Yes, you play with big names who who you know are going to be on the team sheet, but I can't think of any of them who've gone through this prolonged period of time where anybody in Justin was thinking he shouldn't be playing, but still still get, still keeps getting picked. I, I, I can't think of anything. You mean a situation where like someone keeps getting picked constantly, maybe not even a big name, you think, what was the manager thinking? Is it something you would think about or is it something you just looking after yourself? You know, I think the answer to that is no, because most of the guys I worked under recognised when somebody was needing to come out of the team. Right. And did it. Yeah. I mean, for example, you know, I would never have envisaged even in a, in a poor spell, not that he had one, like Henrik Larsson getting dropped. Sure. 
primarily because we didn't, we weren't that deep mm. in numbers behind it. But, but no, most of the guys, I think if somebody's not been playing well, most of the managers I know have, have taken them out of the team. When they kept picking Joey Barton, Nadam, did you just throw your toys out of the pram at that stage? Well, to be honest, with Joey Barton, it's important to pick him because if you think he's bad when he's in the team, imagine what he's like when he's out of the team. If he's ever going to be the guy that sabotages things, that was it. So, yeah, you know, the only one I can think of, really, you know, should never have played ahead of me is Vincent Company. And now he's got a yeah. statue outside the stadium for me to flip in after see every time I arrive there. But aside from that, no, I think, you know, in the end, it just balances itself out. That I, statue could be you. Yeah, that could be you, Nate. Your Should have been me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Nadam, obviously, he's tearing up at Burnley. Are you, you surprised in any sort of way that he has done so well there? Uh, no, I'm not, I'm not surprised as such. I think the Championship is an interesting league because in some ways it can be very, very difficult. But then if you have the right self-approach, you can go on the run like the likes of which they've done now. Like the players that they have on a man-to-man -man level, it's not like they're just miles better than everybody else. But they have the belief, they have the structure, they have the understanding and they have a manager on the sideline who demands the highest sorts of standards and has an understanding of what's required to be successful. So fair play to them. You know, obviously it's 17 points now ahead of the team in third. It'd be good to see them in the Premier League, but that's going to be a far different challenge should they get up. Great pies in Burnley as well. <laughs> I have to tell you, having a choice between the two clubs, yes. then you're going to get a better pie. Right. And Burnley. what's your favourite pie filling? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a steak and kidney. No, I don't like the texture of a kidney. I, I like Cornish. What's that? Cornish. That's that's the Cornish texture. Pasties are. Yeah, but Cornish pasties aren't a pie. It's a pasty. Isn't that pie? It's a pasty. It's all a pie to me. Eh? It's all a pie to me. No, it's I know what you mean. But, but yeah, yeah. If you want a common call it pie, you tell what. I don't know, steak and ale pie. Yeah, nice. Oh yes. Right, what was your favourite pie filling? Cornish pasty. Frank. Good, good pasty, Frank. My my pie. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't eat pie. You know, I think I don't want to. I don't think I don't want to. I don't think I want to talk. I want to talk about, you know, pastries, you know, with an English, a Scottish and a, somebody from Trinidad and Tobago. So, so you know what? You know nothing about pastries. So go ahead and ask me another I'll question. I'll tell you what, I'll try to. Nadam, I saved you, my man. I saved you, Nadam. Yeah, I love you. you. <laughs> <laughs> so you got I'm going to ask Nadam. Who's listening? You're not dictating what's going on, Frank. You had a chicken bulky pie? Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah, it feels a bit wrong, doesn't it? Why? Well, chicken balty, I'm having that a different way, but you know, it's just wrong. <laughs> oh, it's wrong. Why did you order it then if it felt wrong? Well, I don't know. It used to be at West Brom and the media. Uh, Good pies at West uh, Brom. Lounge. Yep. Good what? Good pies at West Brom. Well, that's what I'm going to say, yeah. There you are. But they, they've used that a choice. Oh. Chicken balty was right. obviously the leftover. Yeah. Uh, where, where are you going for pies, Nadam? Uh, Pie Minster, you've heard of them, haven't you? You've heard of that brand before? Uh, no, I Hello? haven't, no. Uh, oh, Stan, you spent way too long across the pond, my friend. You need to get yourself back, get into it, um, Pie what, Minster Pie. What filling? What filling are we talking here? I, I'm with Craig, I'm going steak and ale, but they have it all. There you go. Every sort of selection. Can you yeah. imagine, people are going to be so angry. You spent five minutes on pies and two seconds on <laughs> Harry Kane. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who's most likely to not be at the current club next season? I'm going to go for you, Shaq, for this. Klopp, Nagelsmann, Pep, or Ancelotti? Oof. I am going to go... Nagelsmann. Hmm. Nagelsmann. Really? Yeah. I think I would go Ancelotti. I'm going to go Nagelsmann. Okay. Where are you going? Oh, you're thinking about pies. Uh, Nadem? Go to the pie shop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Nadem? An Ancelotti, I think. Yeah, yeah, Frank. I'm going for Pep because I think if Pep is going out on himself to Manchester City, I think he will need a rest, and he will get that rest. So I see Pep. City are going to get relegated. Pep's going to leave. Brian right. Horton's going to come back in. Really? Oh, they're going to roll back the years. Need him a Need him to roll back the years. Yeah. Brian Horton's nah, in. Nah, <laughs> nah, nah, nah. We're not doing that, guys. We're not doing that. Yeah. Nah, nah. Yes. Sean no, Gota no, back. No, no, no. Um, no, for no, everyone, no. bye bye. What's the problem with Uvi Rossler? Oh, we're rolling it back. For everyone, what's the, prob the, what's the probability of United defeating Barcelona? Can United beat Barcelona yes. tactically, or only Barca's bad game can help them? No. No, I think they're both looking good. It could be a great tie. No. Yeah. 50 50. Oh, it's, of course, wow. in the Europa League. 50 50, Shane? Yes, Dan. 
50-50. I'll get off the fence, Shane. No, Casemiro is going to be available for yes. that. Yes, yeah, he's available for that. He just missed the three Premier League games. I'll just have Fragnall. We do really good pies in Trinidad and Tobago. All right. I just need to correct that. Well, can you bring some back? <laughs> You're not allowed to bring yeah. into the United States. Sorry, I digress. Wow. Yes. United or Barca, who are you going for, Nadem? Uh I'm going for Man United. I'm going Man United, yeah. Oh, Frank. See that little too. financial crisis in his tub? Yeah. <laughs> A wee financial crisis in Nadem's tongue. He's jump shit. <laughs> favourite Manchester United. Favourite, really? for sure. Did he say Savory? Yeah. Here yeah. we go, Frank. Right let's, now, let's, yeah. Right, we're moving away from yes. we're moving away from pies, and I I think I know the answer to this question already. For Frank, start checking an onion. Start bench or drop. Macaroons, creme brulee, or pan of chocolat. Oh, um, uh, creme brulee start, yeah, uh, pan chocolat on the bench, and definitely macaron bye-bye. I hate yeah, macarons. But you have your creme brulee in a different way, don't you, Frank, when I've been out with you? What does he have at the top yes. of his head? I love the I love the creme brulee, not brulee. Yeah, creme brulee, so just I love creme. The, I love no brulee. <laughs> yeah, just creme. Wait, what, no when, brulee. When's a creme brulee not a, not a creme brulee? When it's not burnt on the top. It's nice, actually. I tried it. You don't have to burn the top. No, you don't necessarily you do. You, do. you do it with the Bunsen burner. The Bunsen burner. <laughs> you learn that is true. It's always told. I've got, I use it at home, oh the Bunsen God. burner. Yeah. When I'm doing my See, own. I would say Bunsen burner. Oh, we were, well, and, uh, and the school I went to in Scotland, we were, we were told, uh, Bunsen burner, and I always adhere. There you to go. What told. I, that's how I cook it at home. Don't make creme brulee. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make that at home. Get the Bunsen burner. I'm really struggling to see Craig. Light a candle. Why do you hate macaroni so much, Frank? <sighs> I don't know. I think it's just fashion. It's uh, it's uh, it's not really tasty. I mean, there is nothing special. It's my taste, you know. I understand people. We can uh, we can love them, but I think it, it it just came out, you know, like ten years ago, and it became fashion uh, because of La Durée. Uh, we are supposedly the the best uh, macaron ever. So I don't know. I don't know. It's just. Um, I like I like something who uh, lasts long and uh, and just being loved by the people for oh, centuries. I, well, I, I, well, I, well, I was going to say one of your answers until you said that. Yeah. Yeah. My daughter loves hey. macaroon. Oh yeah, what's her favourite flavour? I don't know. Do you just Amy? <laughs> I was just thinking, Frank, yelping on about French food. Yes. Nothing beats nothing beats McManaman. Putting his fries on his penny arabiata yes. in a Paris cafe. <laughs> oh my god! Nothing. <laughs> I've not seen anything yet. Oh, Steve Bauer and I sat across the table and looked, and uh-huh. even even the, even the side of French fries with the penny arabiata was strange. <laughs> yeah. But once Macker got the big mitts and went, well, we'll just. Sprinkled on top like Parmesan cheese. What about when we'd out for dinner, oh, Frank, man. with a colleague that you'd never met him before and you had steak and fries and he put his big hands over and ate your fries before you even <laughs> Oh my god, yeah. Well, you have good friends, Dan. Thank you very much, you know, and I paid for him. I paid everything for him. Oh, yeah. He stole in my plate. Didn't know the guy, I mean crazy. Uh, but don't never say to Gab, don't never say to Gab the story of Maca, you know, with the yeah. fry, no. the fries no, on top no, of exactly. the penny. He has enough, uh, he's he's he enough problem with pineapple. Uh, okay, that is done. Yeah. <sighs> oh. In ESPN FC, what they don't even talk about soccer. What's the point? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we like. I don't watch this show, they say. This is it. Well, we can talk about pineapple. Uh, we'll be back uh, tomorrow um, to reflect on Wrexham interaction, aren't they, against Sheffield United. That game live on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Craig Burley on the call for that. What a treat for us all. I love searching, <laughs> love searching your name. I get to search Twitter for the whole game. <laughs> Brainstorm. What's something that works so well that it's basically magic? Microwave. Air conditioning. What about selling with Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash FC, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash FC now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash FC.